right people. So we're going to jump right into uh, the message this morning. We're going to be in Mark chapter 6. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you, go ahead, open up your Bibles, Mark chapter 6. Um, it'll be on the screens behind you. You'll be able to follow along uh, with us. Have you ever noticed that people, a lot of people, don't like being preached to? I know you're sitting here going, really, Travis? Um, no, I, I mean, I don't know about you, but there's a lot of people, no matter what it could be, they don't like being preached, especially they don't like being preached at, right? Like your kids, they don't want to hear over and over and over again, clean my room, and the necessity of cleaning your room. And, and, and when they start driving, they, they have to understand that there's a curfew and they need to be home at that time for that curfew. And if they're just a minute late, there's going to be consequences, well, if you don't want to be preached at, then do what you're told, right? I mean, that's the way that we all say it. But people don't like being preached at. Especially, I mean, there are people that go out and they will stand on the corners and they will share the gospel and they will share the word. And here's the thing. People will come to know the Lord because they're standing there on the corner. But many times, those same people that are standing on the corner will have things thrown at them because people don't want to hear that word. And they don't want to hear that message. And they're closed off to it. Uh, and, and we see this all around us. So what we're going to do this morning, we're going to dig in to Mark chapter 6. So in, in Mark chapter 6, Jesus has just went to his hometown. He's went to Nazareth. And, and as he goes to Nazareth, he goes in, he performs a couple of miracles. He, he preaches the word. And, and they don't want to hear it. They're like, aren't you just Joseph and Mary's son? Now all of a sudden you can do these really cool things? Like, no. And he says, hey, a prophet in his own hometown um, isn't going to be able to preach the word and isn't going to be able to make a difference. So he leaves and he gets ready to send out the disciples on their first real short-term mission project. And he says, hey, I want to send you out just a short time. You've been with me. You've seen what I've done. You've heard me preach. Now it's time to put it into action. And this is going to kind of be the theme. This is the theme that we're going to look at this morning. When you go with the gospel, when you share the message of who Jesus is, some will receive it and others will reject it. So let's dig into Mark chapter 6, verses 7 through 13. This is Jesus. And he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and do not put on two tunics. And he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Now, before we dive into this actual scripture, into this passage, this passage contains some unique and specific instructions that Jesus gives to the twelve for this one-time mission as he sends them out. So as he gets ready to send them out, this is just part of their intense three-year internship. <clears throat> I mean, it is just boiled down to really get them in. And again, they've been with Jesus for a little bit, and they've been watching him. But now it's time to put it into practice. They've heard a lot of preaching, but now 
it's time to stop sitting, stop listening, and start doing. There are at least three reasons why I believe that these instructions are not normative that, that we can see technically today. Number one, they were initially only to go to one group of people. Who was it? Yeah, it was just the Jews. It was just the Israelites. We go to Matthew chapter 10, verses 5 through 7, that Jesus says, Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but rather, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. See, Jesus wanted to start right there. He says, okay, they should know the word. They should know who the coming Messiah is. So this is, don't go out. Start right here. Start at home. That's where it needs to happen first. The next time they're sent out, the, the restrictions of taking provisions with them, Jesus actually lifts those off. In Luke chapter 23, verses 35 and 36, Jesus said to them, When I sent you out with no money bag or knapsack or sandals, did you lack anything? They said, Nothing. He said to them, But now let the one who has a money bag, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> take it, <clears throat> excuse me, and likewise a knapsack. So this time, he kind of reverses things and says, okay, the first time I wanted you to lean on me and I wanted you to lean on God and, and, and truly follow just what God has to say and he's going to provide everything. Now that you've learned to listen to what God has said and you're going to do what I have said, now it's time to actually take these provisions with you. Now later, their mandate is going to be completely lifted of who they go to. Because after Jesus' resurrection in Matthew chapter 28, he says to go to who? Yeah, he says go to everybody. Hey, he says, I, I don't want you just to stay right here in Israel. I want you to go among everyone. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, hey, listen, yes, you're going to start in Jerusalem, but you're not going to stay in Jerusalem. I want you to, to start in Jerusalem and then go just a little bit further out, little people that aren't quite like you, go to Judea, go to Samaria, and then go to the utter ends of the world. I want you to eventually take this message to everyone. So this is not normative of what Jesus is really trying. This was intense. Jesus was saying, hey, I've got certain things that I want you to do and to follow to get going. Now, while not prescriptive, we can draw three um, principles from this passage that uh, I, I believe that we can apply into our lives today. The first one, as we read through this, Jesus says, you need to be a team. Teamwork makes the dream work, right? That's what they say. We have to be a team. Look at verse 7. And, and he called the 12 and began to send them out two by two. He, he didn't put them out there on their own. And, and the word for called has the idea of summoning. So he, sa he, he basically summons them all together and he says, okay, now it's time to go. And he brings them all in, and then it says that he began, and, and this gives us the, the, the sense that Jesus immediately commissioned each pair. So he brought the pairs in, and he said, okay, this is what I want you to do, now go. Next pair in, here's what I want you to do, now I want you to go. And he just immediately began to send them out. And the word for send in the Greek means to thrust. Go. It's the idea of if you've ever watched an eagle teaching its young how to fly, just kicks them out of the nest. I mean, my parents wanted to do that to me, but they never did. But that's kind of scary, right? 
I mean, to thrust out of the nest, just let them fall. Now, they would try to flap, and they'd try to flap, and they didn't go anywhere, right? And, and so the, the mama eagle, she swoops in, and she picks it up, and she takes it back up. But then she does it all over again, and eventually that baby eagle flies, right? Well, that's exactly, Jesus just thrust them out. He says, you've been doing, and you've been listening, and you've been watching. Now it's time to go. And, and so he just thrust them out. Remember that this was Jesus' plan all along. He recruited the 12 to spend some time with him, according to Mark chapter 3, verse 14, and to send them out, that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach. It's a great reminder of what we talked about last week. We are not saved to sit. Please remember that. We are not saved to sit. We have been called to be active and to go and to share. And he sent them out, what, two by two. Now Jesus uses teams of two on several different occasions. In Mark chapter 11, verse 1, he sent, and we're going <clears> to <throat> excuse me, talk about this a little bit next week for the triumphal entry. He sends two of them out to get the donkey. He then sends two of them to prepare uh, the meal for the Passover, uh, so we see this a lot. Later, uh, Jesus sends out in Luke chapter 10, verse 1, he sends out the 70, but he sends them out in, in groups of two. Paul and Barnabas served as a team. When, when Paul, Paul and Barnabas split off, Paul had Timothy, Barnabas had Silas, and, and so there was always this group of two. Moses and Aaron, go to the Old Testament, Moses and Aaron, perfect example, working two by two. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verses 9 and 10 says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil for if they fall one will lift up his fellow so just a couple of quick notes about what it means to be a team and, and to have somebody there beside you when Jesus sent them out the roads weren't safe like the roads are safe today and when you traveled you weren't in a car you just walked everywhere um, and there were bandits that would be along the side of the road. There were robbers that would be there just waiting for people to come along. And so there was, there was great safety, greater, not, not the best still in just two, but there was great safety in, in having two. Encouragement. I mean, if you're trying to do everything on your own, that's hard. And you find yourself getting discouraged. But when you have someone to encourage you and to lift you up, that's very, very important. Accountability as well. I mean, we, when you have somebody beside you that will hold you accountable, that will say, hey, you need to make sure that you are doing what you're called to do and you're living up to that standard, accountability is very, very important when you're spreading the gospel. And, and then you can also blend the gifts together. When two people are out, you know, a, a lot of times, and I'll never forget, we were, we were sitting at a, a uh, life group a couple of years ago, and, and Dave Johnson and I were talking, and we were looking around. We had like 30 people in his house, and, and we were looking around, and he goes, you know, if this wasn't a church thing, we probably wouldn't be friends or hanging out together right now. But we all came together from all different walks of life, of different statuses, of different backgrounds. I mean, some are, some, some are uh, uh, Michigan fans, and, and some are Ohio State fans, and we don't have any OD, o, whatever they lost to, Oral Roberts, no, no fans of them here, are there? OK, 
Okay. Yeah, I couldn't work with you. Yeah, I see you back there. Um, <laughs> yeah, you are now. I hear you. I hear you. You know, but we all come together, right? And people that we would normally not hang out with, we come together. We blend those gifts together. Man, there is nothing better than that. We are able to share our strengths and our weaknesses with one another. And we can tag team a conversation. I can be bringing one aspect of a situation, and then here comes, you know, someone right alongside of me that shares their, their part of the story, and I'm not getting through to this person at all, but here comes somebody else right alongside of me, and they start sharing. I mean, there's nothing greater than that. And, and they can witness what happens. You know, one person goes, I was out fishing. You wouldn't believe it. I mean, I, I caught the biggest bass ever. I mean, it was like, it, it was like a 15-pounder. And his buddy sitting in the front of the boat was like, yeah, it was like two, you know. But, but when, you, when you're with, when you have somebody with you, you can share with that witness. And that's important. In John 8, verse 17, Jesus references, going back to the Old Testament and Deuteronomy, in your law, he says, in your law, Israel, in your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. Just stop and think about that. You know, being a team is really just a necessity. How, how many of you have watched, uh, that they did the, the recut or the director's cut of the Justice League? Anybody see the new version of it? Okay, I, I guess I didn't see the original version because my son's like, yeah, I remember this, Dad. I'm like, I don't remember any of this. And four hours long, you know. But as you watched through it, and we, we broke it up over two nights, couldn't do it for four hours straight, but... As we watched this movie, one of the things that they talk about, and, and it was Flash, he was like, wow, we're, we're really not doing this as a team right now, are we? And they were defeated because they were five individuals. But then in the end, and Superman, oh, sorry, I shouldn't say that. Um, spoiler alert, Superman isn't really dead. Um, but, <laughs> sorry. Anyways, they come together and they work what, as a team they work as a team, you know. How many of you watched the A-team growing up? All, all the teens left, so they have no clue. Yeah, but I, I mean, I remember watching that, and Hannibal was one of those guys. He was the leader of the A-team, and, and they were always battling somebody. And, and one of the lines from, from one of the, 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 the lines that he said, he says, Pal, don't get yourself a squad. Get yourself a team. We as a church can't be a squad of just a bunch of individuals. We have to be a team. And, and that's exactly what Jesus was telling his disciples. He says, hey, you guys need to be a team and you need to work together. So he sent them out two by two. You see, when we serve as teammates, spiritual synergy happens. When we serve as teammates, spiritual synergy happens. So when Jesus sent out the teams, the last part of verse 7 says, he gave them authority over the unclean spirits. Now this is important. We talked about this last week, okay, with, with Legion. And, and they just saw what Jesus was able to do. And he has already, you know, cleansed a few people of, of having, you know, demonic spirits. And Jesus says, hey, you have this power as well. I'm giving you this authority as well you're going to have the same authority and power that i do we go to john chapter 14 verse 12 it says truly truly i say to you whoever believes in me will also do the works that i do and greater works than these 
he will do because I am going to the Father. The Holy Spirit was going to come and indwell them and live inside of them and do amazing, amazing things through them, in them and through them. And Jesus said, I've got to leave in order for that to happen. But it, it, we see that happening here. They had the same power that Jesus had living inside of them. You see, when you go with the gospel, some will receive it, others will reject it. So the first uh, principle that we have is we have to exhibit teamwork. The second one is that there is an expectation to trust. Look at verses 8 through 9. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and to not put on two tunics. So the staff, it was just a walking staff that they were supposed to help them along their journey. When you had long walks in front of you, it was something to kind of lean on and to, to have there. Um, you know, basically the bag, just a knapsack that you put a, a few of your things in that you had just in case. But they were nothing, no bread, no nothing. What were they supposed to do? They were supposed that God would take care of them every step of the way. They were to go lean and mean so they might lean on the Almighty. It was, times, it, it was time for these teams to remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 and 33. Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So Jesus is saying, listen, don't be anxious, don't worry. I want you to take as little as possible, and people are going to take care of you. Trust me. I love what George Mueller once said. He said, if the Lord fails me this time, it will be the first time. And we have to lean on that, and we have to remember that. Jesus wants them and us to learn that he can be counted on. The Israelites were in a similar predicament when they were wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. They found out that their clothes, their sandals, they never wore out. I don't know about you, but I go through shoes like crazy. Not just because I can't keep them clean, but I, I just wear them out. Wearing them, uh, breaking them down. They were in the desert for 40 years. Their clothes never wore out. Their sandals, they, they, they never wore out. Deuteronomy 29, verse 6 tells us why, that you may know that I am the Lord, your God. Something that we should all hold on to. I'm reminded of one of the first things I heard. It was 20 plus years ago in ministry. Do something so great that no one will ever say, look what Travis did. Look what Stafford County Christian Church did. Look what this group did. They look at it and they see only God could be behind that. But how does that work? With trust. Trusting that the Savior, Savior will bring you through time and time again. We need to be making sure that we're willing to attempt something so great that unless God is in it and behind it and working through it, that it will never happen. I listened to a, a podcast from Craig Rochelle, and he made several good points, but his best one that, that I took, attack, don't yak. We're really good at talking, right? But make sure that you attack with the Spirit. 
Always make sure that you move forward. He challenged with this statement. He says, as your organization grows, movement naturally slows. An organization, as an organization ages, it moves from, from a basis for action to a basis of discussion. We need to be in action constantly, trusting that the Lord is going to see us through every step of the way. Last week, I asked you and I talked to you, every week we talk about this, but we talk about who's your one more. I said, hey, over the next couple of weeks as we're leading up to Easter, I want you to be asking someone, a stranger, someone who doesn't come to Stafford County Christian Church that hasn't attended before, if they will come to our Holy Week services. Invite them to come on Palm Sunday. Invite them to come on Easter morning, Thursday and Friday night. Invite them to, to tune in with us online. Share the gospel message. That's what we've been called to do. But Travis, I, I, what, what happens if I'm rejected? What happens if, 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 they, if they put me down? What happens if they ask me all kinds of questions? Say, I don't know the answers. We talked about this last week, right? I don't know the answers, but I'll get the answer for you. And that's what we've been called to do. Share the gospel message. Trust that he will see you through it time and time again. Jesus gives some additional instructions in verse 10. He says, and he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart. Stay at one place. Don't bounce from here to here to here. Oh, they have a bigger house, I'm going to go over there. Oh, they have better food, I'm going to go over there. Whatever house you enter into, just stick around at that house. If they're offering hospitality and, and, and financial support and they're offering food and, and a place to sleep, stay at that house. Don't leave. You see, as the disciples did, uh, demonstrated teamwork and, and grew in their trust of the Lord, uh, I'm sure that they remained humble and hungry as they hustled to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Would you say that you're humble? Would you say that you're hungry? If you're not, how can you find that fire? How can God humble you? How can God say, oh, you're looking past the first round, I'm going to humble you? And it wasn't just Ohio State. I, I mean, I really think that God was behind some of these things because, I mean, Ohio State lost to a Christian school, Texas lost to a Christian school, I mean, God's behind some of this right now. No. I'm, are we trusting in God? Does he need to bring us down a level? Does he need to humble us? Are we hungry? Do we have a desire for discipleship in our lives? And listen, it's going to be painful and it's going to hurt and, and it's going to cost us some things. We're going to have to cut some things out of our lives in order for it to happen. But it's important to have that working inside of our lives. And when you, when you go out and you share the gospel message, not everyone is going to go, oh, absolutely, I'll, I'll let me go with you to church. Now, I hope they do. I hope that you invite 50 people and 60 people show up. I don't know where we'll put them, but we'll find a place for them. But ultimately, as we've talked about, when you go with the gospel, some will receive it, Many will reject it. But we have to be willing to trust in God and say, hey, I'm willing to step out in faith and share the testimony of who Jesus Christ is. So, what's our final one in giving our testimony about Jesus Christ? Are we going to give our testimony? 
are we, go, are we gonna share the word? A quote often attributed to Francis of Assisi says, preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. That's a great quote, isn't it? That's awesome. And all of you are like, Travis, where are you going with this? <laughs> it's completely unbiblical. Now, should we be setting the example? Yes. Should they see it? They want to see our actions. They're, they're going to hear our words. And they may not follow through until they see our actions. But we have to make sure that we are using our words as well. The gospel is always going to be communicated with words. This is what Jesus says as he's preparing them. In verse 11, it says, And if any place will not receive you, and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. This was graphic. Now we go, shaking off the dust, no big deal. This was very, very important in the Jewish culture because what would happen is the people, um, the Jews, if they traveled outside of Israel, when they would get ready to enter back into Israel, if they've been on foreign soil, they would shake the dust off because they didn't want any of the contaminants to come into Israel. So they would shake it off. And as Jesus says this, I really wonder, we're not told. I really wonder if when Jesus left Nazareth, if he shook his tunic and his sandals as he walked out of the city. Makes me wonder. Because he's telling them if they reject to do this, and I'm wondering if Jesus did this as well to Nazareth as he left. I'm not told. We're not told anywhere, but I wonder. But here's the message. If anyone who refused to listen to the message that's being sent by Jesus, they were seen as unclean in God's eyes. Now here's the important thing. They weren't to do this with haughty eyes. They weren't to do this with a sense of pride. There was still to be grace there. It was to be seen as something that they were missing. Something was wrong with the people of Israel. And they really needed to come to an understanding of who Jesus was. That's very important for us to be able to see. Jesus, for Jesus to tell the disciples to do this, it was the people that were rejecting the gospel. This would have been extremely offensive. And we're told this, if we go to Matthew chapter 10, verse 15, Jesus ratchets it up here just a little bit. He says, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. It's all about, it's all about revelation. Sodom and Gomorrah had a wayward lot sharing just a little bit. But these people of Israel, they had the law. They had the prophets they had the word to tell of who the Messiah was. They had seen the power and the work of Jesus, and they were still rejecting it. This was extremely offensive to the Jews, but it was just as offensive to Jesus because they couldn't see what was directly in front of them. You see, the more revelation you've received, the more responsibility you will have to repent and to believe. And please don't miss this point. The disciples were to do this with a broken heart. It wasn't for pride. They were to do it with a broken heart. It's important to keep that in mind 
that only a few will receive and most will reject. Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, Jesus says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. He's talking directly to the Israelites. There were massive crowds that were listening to Jesus, and most of them completely rejected who he was. All the way up until Acts chapter 2, most of Israel rejected. And even then, most of Israel still rejected. Some will open their homes with hospitalities. Others will close their fists with hostility. Some will listen when you preach. Others will lash out. Some will accept and others will assault. That happens right here in this country, especially right now as we see the growing persecution happening where Christianity is really being put to the test. Churches are really being put to the test. But make, make no mistake about it, there are still those that are outside of this country that are being jailed and that are being imprisoned, that are being put to death for their faith in Jesus. We need to make sure that we are understanding about this. Allow me to say something bold here, and I hope that this speaks directly to your heart. Comfortable Christianity will not change the world. Comfortable Christianity will not change the world. In John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus made this promise. In this world, you might. No, in this world, you will have tribulation. But, I love this. Whenever you say something and there's a but, most of the time it's bad, right? You know, hey, you did really good this morning, Travis, but, man, I love that one. You went too long, or you talked too much about Ohio State, or you did this or that, or, you know, teasing, of course. But here, what's he say? In this world you have tribulation, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Take heart. You will, you're going to go through rough patches. You're going to have hard times. Your life may be demanded of you, but take heart. I've overcome the world, and you have a better place in store for you in the future. Mark chapter 13, verse 3 says, And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. Paul sums it up when he writes this in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. He says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. The Christian church in America needs to have a little bit of persecution put its way. If we really want to be the people that God has called us to be, then we need to have just a little bit of tribulation. And when we do, he's going to cut some things out of our lives. And it will just further strengthen and bring maturity into our lives. And that's what we have to see time and time again. So when Jesus sends out these six teams that he has trusted with the gospel, they're working as teams, he's sent them out, he's told them to, to be bold, that they're going to be rejected. But in verse 12 he says, so, that, so they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. To go out and ch- to get people 
to change their perspective. That's what it means to repent. You're going one way, you're going to do a 180, and you're going to go the other way. You're going to change your actions. I will stop doing this. I will start doing what I'm supposed to be doing. In Mark chapter 1, verse 4, we read that John the Baptist preached repentance. The first words out of Jesus' mouth in Mark, Mark chapter 1, verse 15, says, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. In Peter's preaching in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, he declared, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Repentance is very, very important, and we have to hold on to that. We have to remember that. As we work together as teams, as we go with the gospel, I'm grieved at how much I see the gospel truly being watered down. We tell people about the love of Jesus, how they will receive God's grace, but we leave out the fact that there needs to be repentance in our lives. Remember, did you see that I didn't say their lives? Our lives, because I should still be repenting, right? Yeah, I, it's a constant struggle. It's a daily walk to say, I'm going to ask for forgiveness, and I'm going to, I, I'm going to repent of my sins, and I'm going to turn the other way. And that's what we're called to do. To borrow a, a phrase from Diedrich Bonhoeffer, we live in an age of easy believism. I want you to check out these words. He has a book called um, The Cost of Discipleship. He says, cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship. Grace without the cross. Grace without Jesus. There's a lot of easy believism in the world today. Oh, just, just raise your hand and, and, and accept Jesus and, and then you're going to be saved and everything's going to be great. I'm glad you raised your hand. I'm glad that you prayed a prayer. I'm glad that, that, that you asked for forgiveness and you talked to an elder. I'm glad that you went into the water. But did you repent? Did, did you ask for forgiveness? Are you, are you living out a life that is truly showing? Here's the thing. People go, oh, I, I need to believe and I need to ask for forgiveness and I need to repent and I need to be baptized. And they go, those four things I did and I do. Great, awesome. They leave out this one. Live the life. Number five, we, we have to live the life for who Jesus is and what he is doing in our lives. We have to live it out. We have to share it. That's what this is all about, sharing our testimony with those that are around us. That's exactly what they did. They went out and they shared the gospel of Jesus Christ. They gave their testimony. They told about who Jesus was. They, they did miracles. They performed miracles. And they went out with repentance in their heart and they shared the gospel. That's what we need to do. We need to make sure that we are seeing it. We have to see repentance and we have to share repentance and and listen love grace mercy we need all of those right but there's a fine line between truth and grace and it's called love and, and we need to be on both sides of it. we have to have grace and we have to have truth and they have to work together they have to work together 
You see, if you preach repentance, you might get punched in the face. Or worse. But we've been called to do so. Verse 13 helps us see that while the disciples preached repentance, they were also committed to restoration. They were courageous communicators. They were filled with compassion for those afflicted by Satan, the demonic forces, uh, by, by sickness. We need to do the same. We're called to preach and to reach. That's what we're called to do. Look at verse 13. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. We need to go with the gospel. We need to preach and we need to reach. The disciples learned that Jesus' power extended beyond his personal presence. And that's really, that's really what he wanted them to see at that moment. He wanted those disciples to see that it wasn't about just following around the man that they had the power of the man inside of them. And that man is Jesus, who is still fully God. And they had the Spirit living and working inside of them. Matthew chapter 10, verse 40 says, Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. So how do we wrap all of this up? What are some action steps that we can put into practice in our lives? This first one, I don't, I don't like using this first one. Um, but no matter where you fall at, it will affect all of us. Tell yourself every day that you're getting older. Tell yourself you're one day closer to meeting Jesus. Let's use that. That's better, okay? Not, not that we're getting old. That, that we're one day closer to meeting Jesus. If we look at it that way, it's so much better. Our life is just a vapor, we're here for a short time, and then we're gone. Don't waste your life. Don't coast. Don't just set the cruise control and go, oh, I'm just going to follow along with the crowd. Live with urgency. That's what Jesus did, right? I mean, he, he lived on this earth for 33 and a half years, but he was only in ministry about three and a half years. He lived every day with urgency to say, I'm going to share the message. I'm going to get out there. I'm going to pray. I'm going to be on my knees. I'm going to share the message. I'm going to heal the sick. I want to make sure that I take my disciples and I prepare them for what is going to happen in the future, even though they're not going to understand. I'm still going to prepare them. And that's what we've been called to do. Live your life with a sense of urgency. Finish strong. No matter where you've been up to this point today, right now, finish strong. Push through. If you're a runner, you understand that. If you've done a 5K, if you've done a half marathon or a full marathon, it's the end. I mean, you, everybody starts off strong, right? Everybody's running. Yeah, everybody's really good. And then all of a sudden, everybody kind of starts spreading out. And then you get to the end. And as you start to get to the end, you're like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. Oh, I just, I can't push myself any further. And there's something inside of you that says, no, I'm going to finish strong. As a Christian, wherever you find yourself in your walk, finish strong.
Number two, live on mission. Live on mission. See yourself as sent to your family. See yourself as sent to your neighbors. See yourself as sent to your coworkers or, or, or your classmates. I, I listened to a, a sermon from, from Matt Chandler in which he said, you are uniquely wired and uniquely placed for unique opportunities. The people that I'm going to reach is not the same people that Justin's going to reach or that Gary's going to reach, that Lisa's going to reach. Each one of us are going to reach somebody just a little bit different. And, and that's why Jesus sent them out. We talked about that as teams, right? That they could tag team and they could it, it come in at different points during the conversation. But see yourself living on mission. Paul says in, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. We are his ambassadors. We need to live on mission. Number three, find yourself a partner in ministry. It may be your spouse. It may be one of your children or one of your parents. It could be somebody that you haven't met yet. But find someone that you connect with and that you can be in ministry together. Lastly, make sure that we are supporting those that are in the mission field. We, we, we support uh, several missionaries, in it, and if you don't know who those are, we have them listed on our website, and, and we help several right here within Stafford County. Um, we, we share, uh, we, we send money out to others that are outside, but support them. And I'm not saying that you have to send them money. As a church, we send them money. And if you want to send them money and you want to find out who we serve and you say, hey, I want to give extra to them, awesome. I encourage you to do that. But at the very least, add them to your prayers. Because they're doing work right here in Stafford County. They're doing work right here in Virginia. They're doing some work right here. Or they are doing work in the States. Crossroads is, is one of our big ones that we support that do, they, they do inner city mission work. Uh, we did the house build through them. We went to New Orleans with them. They're in Mexico. Well, we support missionaries that are in India. We support missionaries uh, that are in England. Pray for them. Go to our website. You can see a whole list of pray for them by name. Send them an email. Let them know, hey, just so you know, our church supports you. And personally, I'm going to support you. What prayer requests do you need? What do you need? You know, where they're at in, in, uh, in Mexico, they're seeing a lot of the people, that the refugees that have come up through Central America, and they've landed within the mission area uh, for Crossroads. And they've needed a lot of help. And they've needed a lot of prayer. And there's, you know, th there hasn't been any violence that, that I've heard of at all in what has happened, and it's awesome. We need to pray for them, that it continues, and they share the gospel, and we see the gospel message being spread all over the world. Take these action steps. Put them in to use right now today. 
And again, we're just going to end with one more. Who's your one more? Who do you need to invite to watch online? Who do you need to invite to be with us for our services this coming week? I encourage you, share at least with one more. We're going to take communion here in just a second. And as I pray, if you haven't received your emblems, you can get them. They're on the back and on the side. You, you can get up and get those. There's a decision you need to make, though. You can make that this morning as well. If you need someone to talk to you, if you need uh, prayer in your life, we're here for you. Myself, the elders, we'd love to talk with you. I encourage you to, to seek that out. If you need to accept Jesus for the very first time this morning, seek me out. I, I will help you walk through the steps of what it means to accept him and then to move forward in your walk. If you say, hey, I want to be a member, I want to, I want to place my membership, I want to be connected to Stafford County Christian Church, I want to serve right alongside, you can do that as well. As we take communion, let's remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. He took on my burden. He took on my sin. That I may have a chance of eternal life. And he did the same thing for each one of you. Let's pray. Gracious Father, I'm so thankful that I get to serve you that I get to share your word, that we get to share with one another, that we are teammates, we are family, and we need to put all of our trust into you, and that you have given us a testimony. Each one of our testimonies is completely different. We talked about that last week, but Father, that we will share it with those that we come in contact with this week. Lord, that you will allow us to spread your word. And Father, as we prepare to take communion, Lord, we just lay all of our burdens before your throne. Thank you so much for the gift of your son. Thank you for allowing us to worship you in the way that we have today. We pray this in your son's most holy and precious name.